0: From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. My name is John Sheck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. In 2006, I watched a documentary film called The End of Suburbia, and through it, I learned about peak oil. That is, on a global scale that point in which oil production reaches its peak. And after that peak point, the rate of oil production will decrease. All around the world, we have reached peak oil. And from now on, we're on the downside of Hubbard's curve. That's why we're trying to drill in the Arctic and try to get oil with hydraulic fracking Uh, Headed out into the deep water gulf, we've picked the low-hanging fruit. And we live and move and have our being in oil. We can't get loose without that juice. Okay, so I watched that film, and I started to think about all of the other aspects regarding Earth and industrial civilization and population and global warming and economic issues and environmental concerns. And one morning at three, I woke up sobbing. My foundations were shaken. I had been hit with a sledgehammer of grief and fear. My beliefs and dreams of just a upward progress, future, better and better, forever and ever, were pulled out from under me. And so I was in a deep funk of depression for months. I went to a counselor who helped me with some grief issues about changes in my personal life, but he didn't appreciate my larger concern. I was grieving the incoming collapse of civilization, and he, like virtually every other person in America, was either unaware of that abyss or unwilling to look into it. And so I started a blog to talk about it, and you can still find the blog on the internet. I don't keep it actively. It's called shuckandjive.blogspot.com, and I talked really about the issues of energy and economy and environment and collapse, if you like that word. If you don't, doesn't matter. Now, this program isn't to argue about it. You're big boys. You're big girls. You can go and figure it out for yourselves or ignore it or deny it or whatever, but I am interested in the emotional impact of that for those who get it, for those who know that we are headed for and we are in a major transition. How do we prepare for this emotionally, spiritually, as a community? What's our purpose? What's our meaning in light of collapse of industrial civilization? That's a pretty heavy topic, and so we're going to get right to it. My guest is Carolyn Baker, Ph.D. She was a professor of history and psychology for 11 years and a psychotherapist in private practice for 17 years. She currently offers life coaching. She manages the Speaking Truth to Power website. That's carolynbaker.net. And she is the author of six previous books, including Sacred Demise, Walking the Spiritual Path of Industrial Civilization's Collapse, and Navigating the Coming Chaos, a Handbook for Inner Transition. Her latest book is Collapsing Consciously, Transformative Truths for Turbulent Times. And she is with me via Skype from her home in Colorado. Welcome, Carolyn Baker, to Religion for Life.
1: Well, thank you, John. It's wonderful to be here. I really appreciate the invitation.
0: Tell me about... Uh, The word collapse, a person will have to be willfully blind to not see that we are in for major changes, but it's bigger than a change, it's bigger than transition, or bigger than uh, the the word that uh, Joanna Macy uses of a great turning, but you use all of those words and you talk about collapse. Can you tell me what you mean by using the word collapse?
1: What I mean by the word collapse is similar to what we've seen throughout history with other empires. And um, in case you didn't know it, uh, the United States is the empire of the world at the moment. And um, you know, when, when larger systems and institutions begin to decay to such an extent that they can't really function anymore. For example, uh, what we're just living through right now, a government that cannot function, um, when that begins to happen with all of the various institutions, then we can say that something is in a state of collapse. And um, I think it's very important to use that word right now. Uh, certainly, we are in transition, and certainly, I believe this will lead to a great turning in human consciousness, but we're in the early stages of the collapse of industrial civilization, and I think we need to use that word.
0: Can you give me a story about how you, your journey, of how you came to a awareness of our present situation?
1: Sure. Um, back in the year 2000, I was starting to research uh, world events and the state of our planet more deeply than I ever had before in my life. And um, I came across um, some of the work of Mike Rupert, who at that time had a website called From the Wilderness. And I began to research a lot of things like um, U- United States involvement in drug trafficking. Um, the housing bubble that was starting to shape up at that time, um, the various questions around uh, the events of 9-11, and so on and so on. And so for about, oh, I would say seven years or so, I kind of researched all these things and created a website in 2006 looking at these events as somewhat separate, you know, this event and that event. But in 2007, I saw an amazing documentary, which you can watch online for free, called What a Way to Go, Life at the End of Empire. And what that documentary made clear to me in the many times that I watched it is that we're not talking about a bunch of different issues. We're talking about a systemic situation of the collapse of industrial civilization and the paradigm on which it's been built. Um, and from there, I began to work, work on uh, raising awareness around collapse. And in 2009, I published my book, uh, Sacred Demise, because as a former psychotherapist, I kept asking, what are, what are going to be the emotional and spiritual repercussions of this collapse for individuals? And that's why I wrote Sacred Demise, Walking the Spiritual Path of Industrial Civilizations Collapse.
0: Talk to me a little bit about uh, collapse and, and what it looks like. What, uh, uh, what will we experience?
1: Well, the, the
0: better question
1: is what are we experiencing in the okay. moment? Because this is not a future thing. We are in collapse. Uh, collapse is when uh, a government can function, as we're seeing right now. Right. <clears throat> collapse is the end, primarily the end of infinite growth when we start really seeing the reality that we cannot have infinite growth on a finite planet. There is no such thing as an economic recovery happening. It's, it, it went all downhill. It went south in 2008. It has not recovered. It will not recover. This is a recession that will never end. Um, in addition to all of that, you know, Chris Martinson talks about the three E's, economics, energy, and environment. And so we're seeing the economic unraveling. Um, We're seeing climate change off the scale, runaway climate change, that it appears from what a lot of the scientists are saying, that even if we were able to do everything tomorrow, to stop everything tomorrow that's causing climate change, it may well have a life of its own. Um, And then we're looking at energy depletion, uh, peak oil and um, this frantic, hysterical drive for shale oil and uh, fracking throughout the country and the world so that we can maintain our lifestyle with this illusion that we can have infinite growth on a finite planet.
0: As I mentioned at the introduction to this program, that can be overwhelming um, that can be personally overwhelming, and we immediately want to go to, well, we can, we can fix this. We can, we can find a way to keep driving our automobiles and, and run them on kryptonite or, or something like that. And so there's kind of a, uh, a personal uh, crisis uh, that individuals have uh, in terms of coming to terms with it. And that's your work, isn't it, in terms of how we can manage emotionally uh, during this time?
1: That is absolutely my work, and as we have seen, uh, we've seen a, a jump in suicide rates since 2008, um, and there's quite a bit online about that, um, and also a huge rise in depression and mental health issues. Mental health is a, another one of those institutions that is crumbling. There just aren't the resources there to address the emotional and psychological turmoil of people. Um, if you look at every institution in this culture it is in the process of unraveling and uh, we're living in massive denial about that no one wants to well I shouldn't say no one but most people don't want to look at that because that really means the end of your way of life that you've grown used to it means that you need to uh, create other living arrangements and you know we we pretty much don't want to do that and um, you know but the more we deny it's just like any other problem that humans face the more we deny something the larger the problem gets and the more difficult it is to address so i believe that we're in an emotional and spiritual crisis and uh, you know a lot of people are preparing for uh... the future by storing food and storing water and medical supplies and these are all wonderful things to do But what about the emotional and spiritual ramifications of all of this? And that's where my work comes in.
0: Uh, In uh, one of your essays, Uh, A Light in Dark Times, uh, you write, The most common feeling reported to me by other collapse-aware individuals is feeling schizophrenic as they know what they know and they walk around in a world that would rather walk barefoot across broken glass than know consciously what it already knows unconsciously about the future i mean there's a sense in which we really you can just look at the movies out there um that are all apocalyptic and whatnot but there's also a, that it's, there's an unconscious awareness but few people are talking about this in the media or um just even among each other about what we really think is going on
1: well, almost no one is talking about this in the media, and when there is any kind of reference to this sort of thing, you, you know, it's kind of like the National Geographic series on, uh, on the History Channel, um, or, or I guess it's the Nat Geo Channel itself, Doomsday Preppers. And, mm-hmm. you know, then it becomes, well, it's all about storing food and having lots of guns. You know, but there's no real talking about, in mainstream media anyway, no real talking about the causes of all of this and what we need to do to become resilient. And resilient is the key word. We can't change this unraveling. We can't stop it. But what we can do, and what so much of my work is about, is we can become emotionally, spiritually, and in many ways resilient as we go into this time.
0: Well, talk a little bit about that with me. Carolyn Baker is my guest. She's the author of Collapsing Consciously, Transformative Truths for Turbulent Times. How can we become resilient?
1: Well, one of the things that we can do, first of all, is to admit um, that our way of life is unraveling. It's never going to be the same. That living with less is the new normal. That climate change is the new normal. Um, that energy depletion is the new normal, and we can arrange our lives in a different way so that we are willing to live with less, and we're practicing sharing, we're practicing, um, you know, frugality and living simply as much as possible in our lives, um, that we're living with respect to the environment and the earth community, Um, that we're creating community among ourselves. There is no way in the world that we are going to be able to go through this challenging, daunting future by ourselves. And that's one of the problems with doomsday preppers. You know, I'm just going to gather my family, we'll go to the bunker, and we're going to just, you know, fight it out. Uh, We cannot do this and make it through this without... Um, connecting with each other and building community. And, it, you know, we're not by nature a communal society. We're, we're just a, a massively individualistic society. That's how we've been enculturated. So we're going to have to do a lot of emotional work on connecting with each other, communicating, talking about our feelings, re- giving and receiving love, um, all of this we're going to need to do in preparation for the future.
0: Hey, that's your, resilience. That's resilience. <laughs> and, and part of that, one of your articles is called uh, Collapsing Interdependently, of, and you talk about the importance of making those relationships now, finding those organizations, those institutions to um, maybe faith communities or whatever in which people are actually getting together already and continuing to um, develop those relationships.
1: Yes, and one of the wonderful things that I see in your work is that um, you're a person of faith who is talking about collapse and hopefully teaching people how to really support each other as we go through this future. Um, I think that that is a very, very exciting piece of resilience, and I want to see more faith communities respond in that way rather than putting their heads in the sand.
0: And you have uh, expertise in uh, depth psychology, uh, Carl Jung. Uh, talk about a little bit about that. What have you learned from depth psychology that might be a resource for us?
1: I guess I would have to say, in response to your question, in the context that we're talking about right now, is that um, I, I think primarily what I've learned from Jung over the years is that um, there is no light without darkness. And I mean, Jesus taught us this. This mm-hmm. is this is ancient wisdom, um, that you know we can't just live in the light. Um, that we will eventually, because of our human condition, be pulled into times of suffering, and that suffering is very, very important. It is there as our teacher, um, so that we become more whole persons. I see, and Jung saw. Uh, the whole human journey as being a a kind of university in which we're learning to temper the ego um, and allow the higher self, the greater self, the sacred self to come through because that is really our purpose for being here is to become more of the sacred self and less of the ego and all of the great teachings of the world have told us this.
0: You use uh, a word in one of your essays called endarkenment uh, as opposed to enlightenment. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, That's a word that comes from a a wonderful writer, Michael Ventura from Los Angeles. I think he's one of the first people to use it. And then Robert Bly began to use it in the 90s. Um, You know, we are a culture that has been greatly influenced and shaped by the Enlightenment of the 17th and 18th centuries, which was uh, a wonderful time in terms of dispelling a lot of the superstition and ignorance of the Middle Ages, you know, when people thought the Black Death was caused by cats and women, you know, and it was a time of great breakthroughs in terms of scientific discovery. But the problem with the Enlightenment is that it created an imbalance on on the side of rational and linear thinking and um, you know we need rational and linear thinking uh... and we need a strong human ego to do our daily tasks however what happened was that this imbalance was created and out of that imbalance came the industrial revolution and industrial civilization and i believe that in this collapse what we are being called back to or called to for the first time, perhaps, is an integration of the scientific and the spiritual. Um, And so we're going to have to go through an endarkenment period um, in order to get to that place where light and dark bring forth this alchemical transformation of consciousness.
0: Uh, Matthew Fox, who you also quote in your work, who's also been a guest on this program, uh, talks about the via negativa, or the way of letting go and letting be, which is, in a sense, parallel to this idea of endarkenment, too, letting go of all of these uh, ideas of self that are really destructive to ourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. And Matthew uh, has endorsed my new book. Um, Matthew is one of my heroes, and uh, um, certainly this via negativa, um, you know, he wrote, I, one of the first books I ever read by Matthew was the original blessing. She mm-hmm. talks about the via negativa and the via positiva um, and bringing those together, that that is our journey. That is our work in this life.
0: Now, when people bring up the word collapse, immediately um, the response by by some is uh, you're you're crazy, you're just a doomer. Um, What do you you have for advice for people who are collapse aware and uh, family or others aren't really paying attention?
1: Well, you know, in my work with life coaching, um, this issue comes up constantly. Um, you know, perhaps there's a, a wife who is very collapse-aware and the husband doesn't want to hear about it, or vice versa. It uh, doesn't follow any particular gender pattern. Um, but it's a very distressing situation when one person is very informed about this and the other person in the family, be that a child or a parent or a partner, is... Um, just doesn't want to hear and um, you know it's it's distressing to the point of some people decide that um, you know they have to go their separate ways and other people learn how to be with this and I've been so moved by the distress that this has caused people that um, I've created a, a series of workshops called relationships in the long emergency and I've written a book which I hope will be published in 2014 Relation or love in the long emergency—the relationships that we need to survive.
0: Carolyn Baker, my guest on Religion for Life, she's the author of *Collapsing Consciously: Transformative Truths for Turbulent Times*, and in this book, it you have 52. Uh, Meditations and one of those is number 47. Uh, and you write that it's, I believe that it is futile and a waste of precious life force energy to focus exclusively on the survival aspect of collapse. That there might be gifts of collapse uh, that uh, we might take into ourselves to help make us better people.
1: Absolutely. Um, I believe that the overriding purpose of collapse. For the human species is the transformation of our consciousness. I believe this. This is one of the huge um, benefits, if you will, of collapse. It has come to teach us um, to raise our consciousness, to cause us to be more compassionate, to cause us to be more aware of each other and the earth in which we live. And you know, it is compelling us to live simply. It is compelling us to be with each other and feel our feelings and really learn what it means to be a member of the Earth community. I see many, many benefits from this, benefits in disguise perhaps, from this uh, what is probably going to be a pretty terrible situation.
0: But it's also an awareness of recognizing that our existence is, is terminal at birth. That uh, death, <laughs> yeah. death is, is part of life, not only for the individual, but for, for all of societies as well. And, and that's something of which we are in denial. The very idea that we're talking about collapse on the radio is blasphemous uh, to American empire, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and so there, you use the phrase to die uh, before we die.
1: Yeah, that's a phrase from, uh, I believe, Rumi was one of the first people to use that phrase. Um, When we can face our mortality, when we can really look, look at our mortality in the face and say, yes, this is part of life. Death is not the end. It's a part of life. Um, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, the wonderful author of Women Who Run With the Wolves, speaks of the life-death-life cycle. And that is the cycle of everything in the universe, the life-death-life cycle. And often in my uh, workshops, I will do a, a, an exercise called Die Before You Die, in which I, I, I really take time to walk people through a hypothetical death. And, of course, it brings up all kinds of feelings. But once people have experienced that, they say to me, my goodness, now, you know, I'm ready to talk about collapse because, hey, uh, you know, I've confronted my own death. What could, what could be worse? You know, I can certainly look at collapse at this point. So it is that fear of death, I believe, that is primary in keeping us from really looking at the reality of this sacred demise
0: you talk about uh, also um that uh, as as american empire is a culture of two-year-olds can you talk about that
1: yeah um we're a culture of two-year-olds and we have just uh we just had some discussion about that nationally you know american exceptionalism we're special and you know uh, a two-year-old is you know rather omnipotent and he or she thinks that she's the center of the universe and uh, does not like to be told no. Uh, No is a very important part of being a two-year-old because uh, that's how two-year-olds learn boundaries. And so uh, two-year-olds need to hear the word no very often. Well, culturally, um, we haven't heard the word no very often. And when we do hear it, it's like, well, you must mean something else. Or, hey, we're going to go and just come in and invade you and take your resources. You don't really mean no. And so we're not willing to live within our limits in industrial civilization. That's what this is about. That's one of the, I see, positive um, aspects of collapse, is teaching us to learn to to live within our limits. We're not omnipotent. We are not entitled to all of the resources of this planet.
0: One of the things I really appreciated uh, from your book was um, the invitation to develop a life of purpose and meaning um, and, and to say that this is, this is who I am and this is what I will be in this situation and to, and to live in the present moment even uh, and, and before whatever the future holds um, with a sense of this is what I am and this is what I, what I am to do and uh, you, you encourage people to find out to what their own purpose is.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, we are not a culture that, that is comfortable with talking about this. In fact, um, I used to teach a, a student success class when I was teaching in community colleges. And one of the things I asked students to do was write a paper on what is your life purpose? And I'm telling you, uh, sometimes students were just torn to shreds by this assignment. What do you mean? How can I possibly say what my purpose is? blah 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 blah, you know we just are not that introspective in this very extroverted society, um but we have to, and that's another piece of collapse that I see as very positive. It is compelling us to look at our purpose. why are we here? Why do we you know did we didn't just fall out of the sky in the twenty first or twenty twentieth century to be born here during this time clarissa pink Estes ST SD says you were born for this time. What is my purpose here? I'm here in the throes of this incredible transformation, this unraveling, this alchemistic experience. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And my book, Navigating the Coming Chaos, goes into that very deeply. That is paramount in preparing ourselves emotionally for collapse.
0: And we are just about out of time. My guest, Carolyn Baker, Collapsing Consciously, Transformative Truths for Turbulent Times, is her book, to be, uh, which is released in November of 2013. You can also find her website, carolynbaker.net. Um, can you give us, just in a sentence or two or three, uh, what you hope people will most get from your book?
1: What I hope they will get from the book is... Um, The understanding that we are going through a planetary rite of passage and they will come to understand what their part is in that rite of passage and they will open themselves to the transformation and community and wholeness that are available if they do so.
0: Carolyn Baker, thank you for uh, for your work, for your very important work and thank you for being with me today on Religion for Life.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. You can find more information about this program and links to podcasts at religionforlife.com. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM, Emory, Virginia. Be well.